You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Another kick-ass episode for you today. Today, we're going to be talking with Wes Burmeister from Southern Minnesota as he kind of tells us this tale of locating a brand new piece of public property that had been turned over from state ground to public ground and him and his brother were probably the first people to get in there and get their hands on uh two bucks two really good bucks for the area and it's uh it's a really good good episode we talk about um how he kind of laid off of it he didn't go into it he did some glassing he did some scouting and then right off the bat in this early season time frame, he went in on a couple occasions, him and his brother, and they sealed the deal and got the job done on two pretty good bucks. So that's what today's story is about. But I don't even know what I want to talk about today. It's like 1130 in, in, at night, and I just now am starting to work. And uh, my son has gotten up like three times and he wants only wants to sleep with daddy and only daddy can put him to bed. So I play daddy daycare all day. And then I come up here and I try to work and then I got to go back down for bedtime. And that's why I have like a row of empty uh, spotted cows. I went to Wisconsin a couple weekends ago and I pulled out the uh, uh, I stopped at a gas station and bought a case of the new Glarus, I think it's pronounced, uh, Spotted Cow. And so I've been drinking those this week, and uh, I feel like I should probably just stop after what I have in front of me, but it's going to be a long night. And uh, the more I drink, the less efficient I get. So I should probably stop, continue my current effectiveness, and then, <laughs> and then just go to bed. But I'll be up for a while yet, probably until tomorrow and uh 
you know, doing, you know, working on the network and, and launching podcasts and replying to emails and doing some social work and all the other stuff that revolves around running a business. And yeah, so daddy daycare all day, running a company by night. I need to like, I'm going to tell you this. I'll say this. If you are a college student and you're listening to this and you're interested in, in doing a internship for the sportsman's nation, and you want to get into the hunting industry in some way, shape, or form, hit me up on Instagram through Nine Finger Chronicles Instagram page, and we can talk because I am, you know, I'm looking, I need help. I need some uh, some additional help, and I would be willing to pay anywhere from <laughs> zero dollars to just enough, if that makes sense. Uh, to to help uh, for you guys to you know help you know get an internship and but I tell you what I will do is when you do when you do it you know let's say you'd get the internship I would write the best possible review so you could get a uh, a job with another company and hell maybe I'll be able to pay you full time uh, you know in a couple of years maybe who knows we'll see. Uh, we're growing, uh, the, the sportsman's nation is growing at a good clip and I'm pretty excited. Like I'm to that point where I need, I'm almost to the point where I can hire someone full time, but not quite there yet. Right. So I just need to take that next little step. And I think for every company that is the, that's like the next, that's the next, like that's the next big step. And then once I have two people working for the company, game over like I'm taking over the industry no doubt about it that sounds very arrogant but uh, I uh, I'm pretty confident that what I what we will be able to do at the at the uh, sportsman's nation is gonna be is gonna be kick-ass on the next step whatever that next step is so uh, and I don't want to come off as arrogant but uh, I am focused on a goal and I will reach that goal and that goal is world domination so uh, I say that you know with an asterisk because I don't really want to take over the world. I don't care about like the, like the middle East. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take over the middle East. I just want to take over certain parts of the world. If that makes sense. So <laughs> I went on a rant there and I wanted to do a commercial here and we're going to do four brands r- real quick. And I'm going to talk about them real fast because just like you, I don't like listening to advertisements on the on this on this podcast or really any podcast, uh, but it is uh, a necessary evil, right? They pay my bills, and you get to listen to this kick-ass podcast. And based off the numbers that I get to see, there's a lot of people out here that listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation and all that stuff. So, Ozonics, right? I've been using Ozonics for. Since it came out, since it was the size of a DVD player, heavy as shit, carried it into the woods, um, I used it on a couple of the first hunts, and I was blown away by what it did within the first, I'm going to say, five sets that I had. So I ended up, um, you know, long story short, started working with a company when I was working with uh, White Knuckle Productions, and uh, and and then I've had some encounters that have just basically sealed the deal for me. I mean, I've had mature bucks walk right downwind to me 
And th this is only something that you can experience. You know, I would be a skeptic too. Yeah, and you can play the wind all you want, right? I play the wind. I, I play the wind. I cut it hard. But that Ozonics is there for a reason. It's, it's almost like a safety net for you. And if it gets a little too close, they're not getting a nose full of human. They're getting some distorted smell. They're not sure what it is. Um, some deer react like nonchalantly and they just smell it. Some deer get curious or some deer just keep moving on through, right? Um, I've had very, very, very few where they, they put their nose up and they run away, right? Did it happen? Yes. However, I'm telling you, the functionality in the field is amazing. The functionality out of the field is even better. If you were to ask me, you throw all my clothes after a, a long day of hunting, you're sweaty, you're gross, there's different smells and bacteria on your clothes which cause odor, throw that in the dry wash bag or their new closet, run a cycle, you have clean clothes, odorless clothes, and you walk out to the tree stand that next morning and you feel invisible. It's crazy. I, I love it. So ozonicshunting.com. If you buy one of their units, you will get a free dry wash bag and you can enter the discount code nine or excuse me, NFC21, NFC21, and you will definitely uh, get a free dry wash bag with your purchase of a unit. Go take advantage of that because that's like a $150, $200 savings right there. So huge fan of Ozonics. Next is Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands. I don't, I don't, all I should have to say now is just the name of the company, LoneWolfHuntingGear.com. You've heard me talk about it. You know that I'm a I'm a a run and gun guy. You know that I'm a, a fan of the four sticks and the assault. I've killed I I was talking to a buddy about this the other day. I've killed all of all of my deer well, except last year. Last year I shot my buck from the ground off of pure luck, right? But every other deer that I've shot since two thousand and seven 2006, I shot my buck out of a ladder stand. Then I got a lone wolf. And every every single deer I've shot since then, whether it is a doe or a buck, have has been out of a lone wolf tree stand, right? So go check it out. I mean, lone wolf, let's see, what is the, what's the website here? Uh, oh, they're blocking it. Lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. Lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. Check out their hang-ons. Check out their climbers. Some guys like climbers. I'm a huge fan of the four sticks and the assault. And then uh, when you do decide to purchase, enter the discount code 9FC21, 9FC21, and you're going to save $50 off of all purchases over $200. It's a huge, I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Uh, Exodus trail cameras, right? So Velvet Fest is over at this point, but... I will say this, uh, these guys, they, they have a great company, right? Chad, one of their owners and the guy that I know probably the most over there, I've been talking and working with him since day one, almost, almost day one. And, uh, like even way back in the day and the first couple episodes of the, of the podcast, and I'm still running cameras 
however many years ago, however, like I think they're six or seven years old now. I think they're six years old. I have some of their first batch cameras that are still in rotation today. I don't know a lot of other brands as far as trail cameras are concerned that hold the test of time that long. And they have their five-year warranty, which inside five years, if your camera takes a shit, you can you can get a discount on a new camera, right? And so first off, you need to go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and check out their, or their uh, five-year no BS warranty, right? Read up on that. No other trail camera company is doing that. I've used several other trail cameras in my life and none of them hold a candle to Exodus. Straight up. You turn it on, you walk away, and it works. That's what that's all I want from a trail camera. And for some reason, other brands just don't deliver that same whatever. They they, they just for some reason they can't they can't. There's always issues. I don't know. Maybe I'm a dumbass, right? Maybe I don't follow instructions. But all I know is when I walk away from an Exodus trail camera, I'm very confident that it is taking pictures. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Check out their their lineup of cameras, solar panels, uh, batteries, and, and all that stuff. And they have a lot of awesome content about how to properly care for and run a trail camera as far as trail camera strategy is concerned. And uh, so... You can get that on their website too, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Next company and last company here uh, is Excalibur Crossbows. And you can go find all this information on ExcaliburCrossbow.com. Now, they have a badass new product. It's called the Twin Strike. And it is a, uh, it's a, pro, it's a crossbow that holds two loaded bolts, right? So go check it out. It's, it's gnarly. It's crazy. Um, the next thing I want to say about this is this company has been around for 30 years, right? Although I can't use a crossbow in Iowa, right? The, this company has, is made, it's not over-engineered. You see a lot of things get over-engineered and they're like, oh dude, you know, this thing can shoot a thousand yards and a hundred miles an hour or whatever it is. These guys are, they have a great crossbow. They have an affordable crossbow. They have a durable crossbow, which is very important. Uh, I I appreciate durable products, and I also appreciate companies that that have been around a long time, because they understand their customer wants and needs. They understand marketplace wants and needs, uh, and they deliver that every single time when um, when they deliver a crossbow to the the masses or whatever so definitely check out excalibur um great history great products you go just go check out out the videos that these guys make they're throwing they're throwing uh uh, crossbows off of corn cribs and then they're going and they're shooting them and they're dead eye dick so uh, excaliburcrossbow.com check them out the huge lineup for all shapes and sizes so there is the commercial section of this podcast really appreciate uh everybody tuning in please follow nine finger chronicles on instagram and facebook and when you do listen to this right take a picture in your truck take a picture or a screen share tag me in it and i'll reshare that on social media um let's 
grow this community even bigger. And I've made so many great connections throughout the years uh, through social media. Hell, I, I think I'm going on my Nebraska hunt this year with a complete stranger that I've met through Instagram. So uh, there's that. I mean, you it can literally, it could literally go anywhere. So tag me in um, a picture of you listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles and uh, let's grow this community even more than we already have. Make sure you guys are following along to all of the podcasts that are coming out of the Sportsman's Nation. And uh, enough talk, man. Let's get into today's episode. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today from Southern Minnesota, Wes. God damn, God damn, Wes Burmeister. Yep, Burmeister. God, I got it. God, that is that's how I live these days. Like my mind just isn't connecting. I yell at my kids. I hear you. I yell at my kids so much, and they're just like, my life is chaos right now. I am. I am so jacked that school is starting in two weeks. Like everything is going to change in my life. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited. It's, it's almost like that guy who is getting ready to get out of jail and join society again. That's kind of what I feel like, like don't screw anything up. You know, like I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to relax. Uh, I don't want to cause any drama. Cause I know that they're going back to school in two weeks and that's just going to open my life up and it's going to be it's going to be great. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's getting close to deer season. Ooh, so buddy. Yes, that'll it help is. Too. yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. So, uh, Wes, before we, you know, start talking deer here, what do you do for a living? Uh, I started a excavation business with my, one of my younger brothers, uh, last year. So we're going on, uh, our second season right now uh doing that so oh nice pretty much been doing construction for i don't even know my entire life it seems like yeah i've been nine years in the army reserves okay uh, as a carpenter mason too uh and i did some college for construction management so it's just been it's construction as as long as i can remember yeah i uh so you drive like bulldozers and backhoes and and that kind of stuff all day long. Yep, yep, a lot of earth moving stuff. Yep, we've actually been doing a lot of uh, uh, DNR jobs right now. A lot of a lot of the farmers around here, some of them are turning their their fields back into crap uh, or selling it to the Minnesota DNR. Um, we actually are just starting a new job. We, we just mobilized our equipment down to the, uh, Spirit Lake fish hatchery right okay. by Okaboji there. Yeah. You probably kind of know where that's at. I do. So, okay. So a here, lot of stuff like that. Here's my, here's my heavy equipment. Um, it wasn't like a bulldozer, but it was, um, it was a big like skid loader or, you know, like a front end loader type deal. And you know how yep. on the back of them is where you put the fuel and the hydraulics in. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, it's almost on the back of like they the holes look exactly the same, and this is why I'm a dumbass. So it's running low on gas, and I open the open one of the holes, and I put the diesel fuel in. And I start loading it up, and I, oh, uh, boy. you know, I shut it, and then I <laughs> go to turn it on. And it turns on and the gas gauge is still blinking i'm like what the hell 
and I'm just like, I'm driving it around, nothing's going on. I'm, you know, and I'm just like, Hey, this isn't working. And then I go back, I put, I put diesel fuel in the hydraulic, uh, in the hydraulic uh, area of that, mm. uh, of that machine. Oh mm-hmm. my God. I don't know if I've to this day, if I've ever had a boss get so pissed at me, I was like 18 right out of high school. Uh, you know, all I did all day long was jackhammer concrete and, uh, uh, jackhammer mm-hmm. concrete and remove it and put it in the back of the truck and someone else, you know, did it. So got rid of it. So, uh, yeah, I got my ass chewed because they had to stop oh, using that machinery. Man. They had to, um, you know, call some guy out to drain everything and clean it yep. and fix it back up. They're like, oh, this could have exploded and you could have died. I'm just like, Jesus, man. Like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I felt like a dumbass we, until school started. Yeah, so. yeah. I worked for a larger excavation business before I started my own, and, and we, we had that happen uh, quite a bit of times to yeah. the point where we, we started putting padlocks on those caps or they would spray paint the fuel cap green for yeah. diesel fuel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'm not the only one on the hydraulic system. No, no. Oh God. That makes me feel a little bit better now. <laughs> I, I mean, you might be like the 15th person I've known that's done that. Perfect. But, but yeah. Perfect. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm a dumbass, but not the first dumbass maybe. Right. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Let's talk deer, man. Like, I right. I just checked some trail cameras uh, on... I've been seeing that. Yeah, Saturday morning. And I got two hogs on camera. But, you know, over the years, I used to get, oh, my God, I got, uh, you know, on the farm right now, I got a, a booner, you know, it's like, he's a giant, he's going to be, you know, 172, blah, you know, just all that bullshit, right? You get fired up. <laughs> yep, and then yep. something happens in September or early October, and then they just disappear and you don't ever see them again until maybe the following year or maybe randomly on a trail camera during the rut. Um, as of right now, do you have any trail cameras out and do you have anything scouted? You have anything located? I mean, do you got any returning customers that maybe you ran into last year and, and you're, you're going after again this year? Well, um, I, I have 11 trail cameras out that I, I left out all year. Uh, I'm sure the batteries are dead. Um, I just got super busy. So I have a, a two year old and a five month old. Oh, dang. We're remodeling a house. Uh, so I just, before I knew it, it like winter was almost over and I was going to go get my trail cameras out because I don't really like to leave them out all winter round. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't think it's probably very good for them. And the batteries always die. I, I use those lithium ones, but they still die super fast in the winter. Uh, and deer are herded up. You know, they don't really yeah. move around a lot in the winter. So I left all them out. <laughs> so I got to go put batteries in them. Um, and I left quite a bit of tree stands out in the, the private land I have to hunt. Um, and I did take a couple down, but, uh, that's about it. I would say about this time of the year, like mid August is when I, I kind of start shifting more towards getting excited about deer hunting. Uh, 
we did do a drive around where I kind of scouted some of the public land where I shot <clears throat> these two last year, uh, last year. Um, but otherwise I haven't done much. I'll probably be getting my bow out, to start shooting here this weekend. And yeah. Just start getting into the rhythm of things again. And yeah. Get my trail cameras up and going. So, okay. but, but yep. not, not, not a lot. When's Minnesota's opener? So, it, it's usually September 16th. I haven't looked exactly when the opener is, but I believe last year was September 16th was the opener or the 13th. Yeah. But yeah. Somewhere around there, early September. Okay. So, so we'll just, we'll kind of cut right to the chase, right? So last, last year in September, early season, you connected yep. on, you and your brother connected on two really good bucks on public ground. Um, yeah, why in, don't in, in, in an area that's I mean not very deery. It's it's like ninety five percent egg country here. Okay, so all right. So walk us <clears throat> walk us through this this property. Like, talk to us a little bit about how did you how did you locate this property? And what I mean locate it, I mean like what made you like either look on a map or drive along a road or or um you know know about this property and say hey you know what i want to put my time in on this property to to see if it's going to hold any deer um okay so first you know if we if we probably rewind uh, two years ago before this land became public because it was private two years ago okay i would drive by it and i would see deer out there and it so where we live it's very uh flat uh, not a lot of trees not a lot of hills a lot of crop fields um if you know where like that okaboji area is your north uh west iowa it, it's pretty much exactly like that where farm country in central south central yep yep well this one piece of property it actually a lot of locals call it like a like a mini Montana. It's, it's very hilly. There's little creeks running through it. There's tree patches, so it just it looks more deery than the rest of the the land around us, kind of. Yeah. Uh, so I've always kind of, as I was kind of scouting for public land, because there's kind of this large patch of public land uh, north of where I live. I would always drive by there and and see the deer, but it was always private. So the following year when we started our construction business, we got a bid sent to us through an email about this exact property, wanting some fence removal done, um, some trees taken down, some old farm machinery uh, pulled out of, you know, overgrown groves and stuff like that. So that's kind of what cued me that, oh, this has gone into public land. <clears throat> so we, we got awarded the job. We 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 were going to start it like uh late fall but i knew it was public at that point and there actually wasn't even public land signs up quite yet but i would say they probably put them up like all oh, end of august september so then you know people kind of started to find out oh this is going into into public yeah um so me in september especially with the kids in the business now my my time just gets uh super limited so I just thought, I'm just going to, I know there's deer here. I've seen there's deer here for the last two years. You know, it's a, it's a deery property. There's actually trees and ravines and hills. 
So I just grabbed my bow and uh, I think it was like a Thursday night or something after work. And I, I went out there. And this is two years ago, uh, right? No, this is this is last this is last year now. Oh, okay, all right. So hang on one second, because we skipped like okay. a whole bunch of time. So you got a you you got a bid for this job to do some work on it two years yep. ago. Uh, no. So two years ago, it was just private land to me. I didn't okay. know it was going into public. I didn't know he was uh, selling it to the DNR. So then, so then last year before hunting season so like last year's summertime it came out for bid and that's how i that's how i found out that this this property this private property was going to be going into public land okay so, so i kind of had a heads up yeah most people because so essentially it was probably kind of like mostly private land when when we got in there in september because you know not a lot of people are even know about it yet walks yeah in in public well even even your normal public land you know not a lot of people want to go walk through tall green grass in the middle of july when it's 90 degrees out 80 percent humidity so they usually don't get bumped a lot on public yeah at the beginning of the year but this this one was i mean it was essentially private and and the farmer that owned it, he, he wasn't doing a lot back there besides some farming. So it was pretty uh, low-key property. Okay. So when so you knew it was public, did you go in on in July or August uh, to do any type of scouting or hang any cameras before the season actually started? Uh, well, in Minnesota, I, I mean, I guess as far as I know, unless they've changed something, we're not allowed to hang trail cameras on public land i think it's it's, it's illegal oh really so i didn't get huh. i believe so um i mean i guess i haven't checked to uh, check the uh regulations about that and and i don't really have an interest in putting it on public land because i don't really want my cameras stole anyways but i'm pretty sure 90 percent sure that you can't put at least in southern minnesota trail cameras out on public land yeah Okay, so the only thing that you can do... you have to take down every day, too, so... So you can't, can't leave, leave a stand up overnight? Yep, you gotta take it down. Oh. Unless something's changed that I don't know about. But okay. Last time I looked, you had to take it down. Okay. So, um, I'm sure we'll have people fact check that, but... Um... I'm not sure that's why I'm saying it as far as I understand. Right. <laughs> okay, so, anyway, we have... Um, uh, we, you, you identify this piece through a bid, right? You probably got a little bit of yep. a heads up because there's, um, because of a work contract, but when, I mean, at June, July timeframe, it was already public ground, just not posted public yet. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think like late August, I finally seen them put some signs up, which I was kind of like shit about, you know, I was hoping, cause if you went on the plaque book, updated plaque book it showed uh that it was public land i gotcha but actually um i think hunts i think hunt stands said it was public and i think on accident wasn't quite caught up yet they weren't they were still saying it was in the farmer's name i believe gotcha okay but so so june july when i knew you know without forbid it was going into public i did you know, I, you know, at night I'd get off work, whatever, go for a drive, you know, have my binoculars and just, you know, right about that sundown 
time is when I when I just try and go like drive from the road and I can glass over these grass fields and I just started keeping a little bit more of an eye on it. Right. But right. Did that's you, about my that's about all my scouting on that property. Did you see anything while you were doing that? Yep, I, I seen you know some does coming out to feed because it was still a cornfield. A lot of it, you know, you had your tree and some some low bottom grass patches. There's a pond in there that that you couldn't farm, but it was still a cornfield. You could you know kind of see them coming out of the uh, trees and walking down like a grass fence line and going to the corn and stuff like that. So okay, so so I did not I did not see any bucks when I was when I was scouting, but I seen some does and. So I knew there was some deer in there. All right. So your first time ever going in there to hunt was your first time ever in there then, right? Yep. 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 Okay. All right. All right. So um, when you went in there that first, like, break this break this property down for us. Like, talk to us a little bit about the terrain. Um, maybe, I mean... You, you had your, it sounds like you had a hunt stand, so you had the ability to do some digital mapping and look at the surrounding areas, um, like break it down for us and then give us your best idea of what you thought the deer were doing and what your plan was to get in there and hunt something that you didn't even know was there. Um, so the, the first thing that turned me on about it was the fact that there was actually timber, because uh, there's actually not a lot of timber around where I'm at. Uh, so that was the first thing I, I, I cued on. Uh, then there was a, a essentially what well, used to be a private pond that was about smack dab in the middle of this, this uh, property. The, pr- the property is about, I think it's like 380 acres maybe. Um, and then there's just some scattered grass patches and like low bottoms that were too low to farm um so i knew they either you know they're not going to be usually bedding in the corn around places like that i knew that they'd be bedding uh in a low bottom because it's usually a little cooler or by some sort of water uh you know or or in the trees um so i kind of cued on those obviously it's a hit or miss what field they're going to because they have thousands of acres of fields to choose from where they want to go eat um so basically any wind direction any wind direction they could go and you know pick oh yeah any any egg field yeah oh yeah yeah. okay no you don't even i don't even unless i see like a large beaten down path or something you know I, i have an idea but i mean they can they can take their pick where they want to go for, for food, especially, you know, before they start harvesting. Yeah. All right. So I kind of just queued on like the treed areas, the low bottoms, the water sources. Gotcha. Uh, You know, played the wind a little bit and, and just kind of went in with hunt stand and tried to kind of figure it out. Yeah. So in, in your first time in, you said to yourself, Hey man, I'm not even going to bring a stand, right? You're, you're just bowing. Yeah, hand. I had my yeah, I had my Red Wing work boots on, some some Carhartt pants that I work outside every day, so I figured, what the hell? Uh, well, and actually, I listened to a podcast of you say, I think it was last year. You're like, I'm just gonna try wearing some solid colors once, you know. And yeah. I thought, fuck, why not? Yeah. You know, am I? Because if you get home 
from work and you shower and you get your clothes on and you get your gear on and you go out and I mean by that time you've already missed an hour and a half of hunting. Right. So right. I just I just threw a my probably was a long sleeve at that time. It was seventy degrees, but uh I had an old army combat shirt, I threw that on and I had some tan pants on and my boots and I just walked out and kind of, cause I've never been out on this property either. It's always been private and just kind of stayed low and, and had my binocs out and tried to watch for deer movement and got in a little deeper and I, I didn't see or see or hear nothing the first night I was in there. Okay. Did you, but while, <laughs> while you were out there, did, were you able to identify any sign, any travel corridors, any beaten down paths, anything that said to you, man, there, you know, there's not shit in here or there's some, you know, it could be good. So the first, uh, night I was in there, I found an old ladder stand. So that kind of. Uh, cued me like well you know maybe the the person that was hunting this private last year I mean the stand was like the seats were ripped up so it looked like it hadn't been used for quite a while but I just thought well if there's a stand here and there was kind of a nice path like but it was like a like somebody cut that path like it could have fit a tractor through it type of path so I kind of hung out there for a little bit and just kept getting eaten alive by mosquitoes so then I kind of moved back to a high ground where I could kind of overlook a big grass low bottom and tried to see if I could see any deer coming out of bedding going into the cornfield because it was a standing cornfield and didn't see nothing. So the first night, I, I, I mean, I was kind of like, God, there's, that's crazy. There's no deer here, but maybe, maybe there's not, but it's like the perfect setup. But over the, you know, scouting it last year and, and even this year i knew there was deer in there i just i didn't quite know where they were going so then the next time i went in hunting which i took my youngest brother with me i went down to that uh that private pond well it's not well, it's it's a pond that was in the middle of this property just right in the middle no path or nothing you got to walk to it. it's probably i don't even know half mile three quarters of a mile walk back there yeah and that was the second night right yep that was the second night maybe like two days later that was that was probably like a weekend night yeah uh also would have been my youngest brother's um first ever time bow hunting oh. that i shot that deer okay so yep. and i have uh i i gave them i didn't give them i'm letting them borrow i have a mission craze that i use for bow fishing so I let him borrow that. He bought all the accessories for the bow, and we just set up one of the mission crazes, which you can crank up to 70 pounds uh, if you want. They go like from like 30 to 70. So he's using that bow, been practicing at my house, and then we went out together. I kind of helped him get a spot, and then I took a walk down to that pond. <clears throat> yeah. So you, it sounds to me like, there, there wasn't really any overwhelming deer sign back in there. It was just like, hey, man, nobody knows about this piece yet. I want to be the first guy to to really get back in there and give it give it a look. Yeah, pretty much. That's a. I mean, deer don't like people, and so I just figured this is 
very untouched, is very thick back there. Uh, and I knew it was going into public, and I knew a lot of people didn't know about it yet because it's so new. Um, so I just, I we just kept at it because I, I knew there was something back there. Okay, just get, like a gut feeling. Yeah, because I mean, around here, usually when they turn DNR land or the crop ground into DNR land, it's usually just grass. <clears throat> yeah, it's prairie. So just the trees and the the rough terrain, just I, I knew that that was a good deer spot. Okay, all right. So second night, you're you're making your way back into this uh, this pond, right? Um, talk to us a little bit about your access route, why you chose to walk where you did, what the wind was doing. Like, break down the scenario for us, so we so we kind of get a. a an overview or a visual of where these deer came from um okay so for the the first night i came in on the uh south side of the property and i kind of wanted to get down to that pond but it got so thick with thistles and mosquitoes that i just thought i'll just i'll just hang out here because i don't really know what's over the hill anyways you couldn't see the pond you had to walk over a hill and down to the pond i didn't want to bump deer out my first night so then the second night we we accessed it from the north side on a on a south wind <clears throat> and i kind of dropped my brother off more on the there's a big draft bowl and actually when we were walking in we we actually spooked a buck so then that was the first buck we seen when we were walking in uh to the property um, so I dropped him off on the more, uh, Northern West side of the property. Cause I knew I was going to the pond and I doubt my scent would have traveled a half a mile towards him, but either way, just to be on the safe side, I didn't want my wind, you know, hitting his where he was at. So we kind of offset him more to the West. I went a little more to the East. Um, and then it's just a long walk kind of through a cornfield about a half mile uh, back to the pond. And then with the south wind, I kind of wanted to stay on the north side of the pond, but there wasn't, I kind of walked along the edge of the pond because there was trees hanging over trying to look for, you know, the beginnings of a scrape or maybe a, a buck rubbed their velvet off on a tree or something. Didn't really see a lot there. And there was just a cornfield behind me. So I decided to go on the, uh, south or the north or the south side of the pond on a south wind so i knew my scent would be kind of blowing over the pond which i didn't think was such a bad idea and i i stayed on the east side of this pond and probably to my west the pond was about a quarter mile uh a quarter mile to the west in length roughly yeah and i just kind of i hovered down <clears throat> by this broken down tree and I was just getting eaten alive by mosquitoes to the point where it was just like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. So I, I, I stood up and I, oh, we probably had like two hours before sundown. And I went to a tree that was a little more on a hill and it was, it was teed in to a fence line, uh, coming from, from this drove more to the south of the property. So I thought, well, if they're bedded, uh, you know, up in this drove, they, they could walk down this fence line 
you know, to get to the pond or, or there was kind of an open pasture of grass. So I liked that. It was in the wind. So the mosquitoes weren't getting on me. Um, you're probably going to kick my ass because I didn't have a tree stand or safety harness. I, uh, I just, I crawled up into the tree on like a, stood on a crotch in the crotch of the tree. Yeah. Yeah. About, I don't know, 10 feet off the ground maybe. Okay. So. And that was my tree stand for the night. Gotcha. Quick question. Like how tall was this grass that you were kind of making your way through? I mean, did it do a good job of hiding you? Um, yeah, it was probably like up to my belly button or so. I'm about six foot. So, I mean, it was fairly tall and thick, gotcha. but there was corn. So the, there was corn surrounding this entire minus that fence line. There was corn surrounding this whole pond in this, this grass pasture that was just in the middle of this, essentially a cornfield with fence lines, grass fence lines connecting it. Okay. So, so it was secluded. Right. The, 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 right. The, so okay. The deer wouldn't really be able to see me walking up to them unless they were literally hanging out on the edge of the cornfield. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> That's crazy. Uh, I, I, I love places like that. I have a, a couple places too, where it's just, just like 180 acres of standing crops all in one spot. And there's a, this grass little low area that's kind of a buffer strip waterway, like erosion control zone. Yep. In this low spot, you can't see it from the road, even with beans. There's a couple trees back there, and they just love to hang out there this time of year. All right, so um, so you yep. cl- you climbed up in this tree, just tried to get a, a better advantage. Um, did you, I mean, at this point, you still didn't, other than some of the does that you saw, like you didn't know there was any big bucks back there. Well, that, that buck we jumped up, which was bedded in the grass uh, right off the track, we, we did know he was back there, and that was, well, it was hard to tell. It was like a decent eight, maybe a smaller ten. And when I'm talking like our size, uh, you're talking like a 110-inch, 120-inch buck. Okay. Is decent for around here. Gotcha. Some people, they get, some people, they have some private on like the creek, and they get some big ones during shotgun but that's yeah, very rare right okay so you saw a, a buck now would, would that buck have been a shooter if you uh um if he he walked by your tree or would you have let him walk uh no last year and probably this year just because of time um i'll probably take the first 100 inch decent eight point buck that okay. walks across me just because we don't have a lot of i i've been hunting bow for seven years and very rarely have i had because I, I i party hunt with my wife too and i usually put her in a nicer spot and i'll go sit back and uh maybe and she gives me some quota like you're not allowed to shoot an eight pointer it has to be a big 10 if you're gonna pull the trigger type of thing so i'm kind of just there for moral support yeah, but um, <clears throat> I very rarely have seen a like you get a second chance around here at a eight pointer or bigger uh, deer. So I, I usually just take uh, the the first decent eight pointer, like the first ninety to one hundred and twenty inch eight pointer that walks in front of me. I'm gotcha. I'm happy with that. All right, right now it gets my heart going. So 
So you're up in this tree. What time was it? Oh, well, let's see. Sundown is before daylight savings. Oh, I can't. I don't know. I don't want to say what it is and people get all weird, but it. I don't know, whatever. It's like an hour and a half before sundown, before daylight saving in September. So maybe that's like 6.30 or 7 sounds about right. Okay. All right. Because so... you got to shoot, what is a half hour after sundown is end of shooting light or something like that? Yeah, something like that. All right, so all right, so you're in the tree. What's what do you start seeing? Any any movement? Anything cool? Like anything that says, "Hey, man, uh, I need to get down and move," or are you in a good spot? I I didn't see any does go by me um, or nothing. Uh, there was some ducks hanging out in the pond, and that was about it. Um. And I, I kind of broke my golden rule. I usually like to sit in the stand till the exact last minute of shooting time, and then I start to get down. And I just thought, well, what the hell? It's the second night. I got the rest of the year till December 31st to hunt. I, I knew I had a long walk back to my younger brother, who I knew was getting eaten up by mosquitoes, so I didn't want to make it miserable for him. So about the last eight minutes... Uh, shooting light i i turned around to start setting my bow down there were some branches that were broke that i could kind of hang my bow on as i made my way down so i released my uh my release from the string uh i i usually take my quiver off of my bow i just don't like the extra weight on there put my quiver back on took my bow out and i was i didn't see nothing so i was like whatever uh I'll just head back to the truck just the second night. And as I turned around to set my bow down, I look up because the fence line went up the hill just to kind of double check because that's kind of where I thought the deer would come from if, if they were to come there or I thought they're going to come from the west on the on the north or the south side of the pond because I had about a quarter mile of tree patch on the pond there. So I knew they were either probably going to come from either of those directions. And uh, sure as shit, eight minutes left to go with sundown, this buck kind of crests over the hill, walking right towards me down that fence line towards the tree. So then it was a matter of time of trying to reshift my feet around and get my bow back up and get an arrow out, get, you know, hooked back in and, and get ready. <clears throat> so th- was this a, was this the same buck that you jumped previously? Nope, this is a di- totally different buck. Okay, so at, I mean, how, when you first saw this buck, were you like, "This is a shooter, like a no doubter, no doubt shooter"? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. No, so, his, his rack in the skyline was like it was for me. It was like hell yeah. All right. Plus, I've, I I I knew it was going to be my first public land buck, which I've been kind of trying to get done, and I've also wanted to shoot a buck in every month that you can legally hunt too so that was september was was the first september buck first public land buck and first buck in the county that i live in that i've actually shot a deer in that county because i usually go hunt in a different county just because of the low deer population around here or buck population i should say yeah so um 
just so just so everybody knows the rest of the story like how old did you uh, how old is this buck how big is his antlers like describe him so we get a good visual i would say he's probably a two and a half year old maybe a three because his, his body seemed uh kind of younger yet but i think you know he had pretty good genetics so his horns were nice i measured him out at like 115 um what's pretty unique about him on one side he kind of he, he blades out at the end of his main beam for about six inches and then he's got like a oh i don't know inch and a half two inch drop time oh nice which i did not know about that was a surprise to me when i walked up cool because it was just getting down to those last dusk periods you know where you kind of you can see the silhouette and you can see the horns but you, you can't you know, zoom in on all the fine details at that point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you identify this bucks a shooter. He's kind of, he's making his way towards you. Um, you climb down the tree, then you climb back up it. Is that right? Nope. I stayed in the tree the whole time. Oh, I was, okay. I was getting ready to get out of the tree about eight minutes before, uh, last shooting light. And then as I was turning around and I, you know, cause I was eight, 10 feet up in the air. So I was, had to set my bow on a branch and then I was going to make my way down the trunk and grab my bow from the ground. And when I spun around to do that, that's when I seen him coming okay. towards me. All right. So he's coming, he's making his way towards you. Um, why don't you just walk us through the rest of the, uh, the, the rest of that, uh, encounter. Um, so when I seen him silhouette over the hill, I, and you know, walking towards me, I obviously, whatever, heart started pumping and I started scrambling to try and quietly uh, shift my feet around to, um, you know, where I would know where my, where my shooting lane was essentially uh, without spooking him. Cause he was probably 30 yards away, 40 yards away at that point. Yeah. Uh, re-get hooked back into my string, get an arrow in there, uh, and then it was just kind of wait. Um, by the time I kind of got all that done, he was uh, directly under my tree, and he was kind of thrashing his horns around in a bush right under my tree, um, which I don't really like those straight-down shots. Yeah. Um, so I let him... I could have I could have shot through the branches because he's probably so close, it's very thin. But I didn't I, I didn't like that idea. I had a feeling he was going to walk out into the uh, open grass pasture. Um, so I kind of waited for that, and he did. Uh, pulled back, smoked him. Um, he took off running into the cornfield. Kind of just listened at that point. I heard him crash, but I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, got out of the stand, found my arrow, uh, full pass through. It seemed like I kind of got gut, uh, just because it seemed like there was like a hay or a stink to it. Um, but I, I didn't when I when I when I gutted him. Um, and then I kind of followed his blood trail, which uh, it wasn't super thick, but it was a consistent uh, droplet uh, into the corn. And then at the corn, I just kind of stopped because I knew I had to go get my younger brother anyways. Um, so I just thought, well, what the hell? I'll just let him. I'll just let him sit in there. He's either dead or he needs time anyways. 
So I, I didn't text my brother or nothing. He ended up calling me or texting me and going, well, where are you at? And I just, I just walked through the cornfield and got up to him and I said, sorry, dude, we're going to have to drag a deer out of here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Five degrees. Mosquitoes are all over the place. And he's like, no, we're fucking not. And I said, I'm, I'm as serious as a heart attack. I said, I don't even have my bow with me. I said, I, I propped my bow up where I found last blood and that's where it's at. Well, how far? I said, about a half mile back that direction. <laughs> so he was probably pretty, like, pretty pumped. Yeah. That's he awesome. Was, he was pumped, but he's kind of like, shit, that's going to be a long drag. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you got him out and that's the best part, right? I mean, yep. the, you know, everybody always says that's when the work begins. That's when the work begins. So, how how many days? So you get the buck out, you celebrate your victory, but then your brother uh, shoots a deer out of that same property. Like how many days later? Probably three days later. So obviously, when you shoot a buck in September, it's you know in the Midwest, seventy five degrees out, so you can't really let it hang. So we quarter it out. I quartered my deer out. I got a fridge in my garage and I, I put it, I lay like plastic garbage bags on my rack. And then I just, I just lay the quarters in my fridge and I let it sit in my fridge for, I don't know, four or five days or until the weekend till I can uh, butcher it. And, and I hear the longer you let it kind of, uh, oh, what do they call that? Let it sit for a while. It can tenderize the meat. Um, so my deer was still in the fridge doing that when he, I didn't go out with him the second night he went out. Okay. I was busy at home. So he went out by him by himself and he texted me, said, I, I shot a deer and it was, yeah, three days, three days after I just shot this buck Yeah. <clears throat> on the same piece of property is also kind of close to that pond. Okay. So, um, obviously your, your brother, uh, I mean, you knew some stuff was back there. Uh, you know, you know, your bucks back there, you saw some does, um, three days later he goes back and what's, what's he run into? He, he said he didn't, uh, bump anything. He, he shot his buck, uh, on the ground. He just stood kind of behind this. There's an old fence line. One, this is one of the fence lines they wanted tore out of this project that was surrounding the pond. So he kind of just brushed himself in uh, into this fence line and stood. And, uh, oh, I don't know, 30, 30 minutes, uh, probably end of shooting light. Um, well, first, it's kind of funny. He he had a, a little six-pointer come out, and he, he drew back. He wasn't going to shoot it, but he drew back on it just kind of practicing, see if he's going to get nervous, because this is his second night bow hunting in his entire life, and, yeah. and see if he could pull back, see if he could pull back without spooking the deer. And I can't quite remember if he, he so he, he pulled his bow back. I can't remember if he, he let his arrow down or if he kind of turned and he seen this 11-pointer walking towards him. It was, it was one or the other, but he's, he was messing around with a six pointer as an eleven pointer was walking towards him. Okay. All right. So so this eleven pointer, um so he has multiple deer in front of him and, and 
one within is it the six pointer within shooting range, and then the other the eleven pointer is just like making his way towards him. Yep. Yeah. The six pointer is probably twenty yards away, and the and the eleven pointer. It was the last deer out. He said, you know, it was whatever five minutes behind everybody else. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, that that deer was walking towards him as he was fooling around with that six pointer. Yeah. So how big is this eleven pointer? Uh, I think we measured that one at like one twenty two. Nice. Nice. And it seemed like he had a younger body than my nine pointer. Really? Wow. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like there's some good genetics in that area for, for the, the young deer that were there. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, they have, I mean, they, they're never lacking food. That's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So, um, he ends up, uh, he ends up, uh, smoking that buck. So two really good, um, really good bucks come off of, uh, a 300 piece of what essentially is unpressured public looking back at it now why do you guys think the deer were there why do you think that you guys were successful you know obviously there's a little bit of luck involved as far as you guys were probably the first couple guys really you know putting the pressure on the deer back there but aside from that like what made those two hunts successful I, I think it was just the pure fact that that was very unpressured land, that the deer all felt safe back there. Nobody was bothering them. It looked like the old tree stand was in there that hasn't been touched for six years. Um, I, I just don't think those deer have been hunted for years yeah. back there. Yeah. And I, I think that was, I think that has a lot to do with the success and then just uh, you know, kind of setting up in them low bottom, cooler areas by the water, and and just uh, just trying something new. Every time I seem to try something new and off the wall, and it might work, might not. It it seems like it usually works out. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, do you think oh. that now, one whole year later? this property is going to produce again or do you think uh like people are have caught on to it and they're you know you've noticed people back there yeah people people are catching on to it uh last season uh more towards like november and stuff because i was bringing my wife back in there we we found another 10 pointer that lived back there and we were trying to catch him on some fence lines and I think people just seen our vehicles parked there and, and I, I've watched bow hunters walk back in there. I don't know, a dozen times now. My wife had two pheasant hunters walk up right up to her and, Oh, how's it going? I didn't know you were hunting here. And so it's, it's pressured like a normal public piece now. Um, but I'm going to try and get back in there in September. I, I like hunting early uh, just for the simple fact that you can kind of try some off-the-wall stuff. You got plenty of time uh, uh, to get a deer. And I think for the for majority of people, they probably don't really touch the woods too much in September. So they're pretty – the deer are kind of still on their summer pattern, uh, and people haven't started spooking them because once – uh, duck season starts and pheasant hunting 
and you get into October and the leaves start turning color, that's when people, you know, start going on their nature walks or they go do their first pheasant hunt and, and then it's just kind of the public land just goes downhill pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so, so now that, that, that piece is pressured, what are you doing to, I guess, put yourself in a better position? Is it going back to the drawing board and uh, finding some, some new property or are you just kind of, uh, you know, you mentioned you got 11 trail cameras out. Like what's the, what's the next step this year, knowing that the prop, that property last year is probably going to be pressured this year. Um, so where I have the 11, 11 trail cameras, um, it's, it's actually butted right up to Iowa. Half the time in my tree stand, I can be sitting in Minnesota and I can spit into Iowa. Oh, wow. Uh, right, right on the little spirit, uh, lake area there. And that's my wife's, uh, father and uncle's property. Um, but I, I usually kind of try and not, uh, hunt that that much until like you know you're mid-october november just kind of let it hang out and then i go try all my crazy stuff on public land yeah um in the early season so i, I do kind of know in the back of my head that i can go there it's 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 decent hunting land um it kind of sucks being butted up to iowa like that because the deer essentially go through two slug seasons because i think i think your guys' slug season's like beginning of december or something like that yeah first it's, i think it's the first full weekend of december yeah so so then minnesota's is usually second weekend in november so they get hammered then then they get hammered again in december and then the muzzleloader seasons don't line up and then your guys is i'm not sure if our bow season starts before years but then your guys' bow season goes to like january 13th yeah um so a lot of the deer uh, don't end up making it, um, I would say. But we, we do get a couple that, that come through. Uh, my father-in-law shot a 145-inch last year off that property. Oh, nice. Um, but in the back of my head, I know I have I have that. And then uh, we've done a couple CREP projects where the landowner, the government essentially pays the landowner to turn his egg his cropland kind of back into like its natural state with some ponds and, and some grass and some you know pollinator plants and stuff like that and i'm thinking about we just finished one and i there's a little tree patch in the corner that i've i've watched a lot of deer come in and out of and i'm thinking about maybe trying to do like a leaf through him if it's cheap enough um, so I might be doing something like that this nice. year. We'll see. Nice. <clears throat> well, it's that time of year, right, where it's time to be uh, as observant as possible, whether that's through trail cameras, whether that's through scouting. Um, you know, we have about four more weeks maybe uh, until the deer, you know, when the deer starting to shed the, the velvet. Once the velvet comes off, the deer start to get real territorial. Um, the bachelor groups tend to break up you know shortly after that and then there's this re like i always have found that there's this redistribution of of bucks 
right? They're not in the same spot that they were. The food sources change. You know, maybe some eggs is starting to get harvested in this uh, mid to late September time frame. Uh, if it's dry and this, I don't know about where you live, but it's been super dry here in Iowa. Oh, and, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I tell you what, man, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Congratulations on uh, you and your brothers last year's uh, success. Good luck this upcoming season, man. Keep me posted. And uh, I guess uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Sounds good. Best of luck to you, too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Wes for taking time out of his day, sharing that awesome story with us, man. I love the strategy. I love the approach, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe there's a little bit of luck involved when you locate a piece of public that has never been hunted before. So uh, that's a win there. Huge shout out to all of the partners, each and every one of them. Awesome brands. I love them all. Ozonix, Lone Wolf, Exodus Trail Cameras, Excalibur Crossbows, Wasp Broadheads, Vortex Optics, and Hunt Stand. Please go support the companies that support this podcast. And last but not least, man, good vibes. It's a good vibe weekend. I'm getting ready to go to Oregon, and uh, I'm basically going to just be chilling with no kids for like four days or five days with my wife we're gonna be this is gonna sound weird because you're like i love wine believe it or not i'm i love wine i love meats i love cheeses i love like grapes and all that shit and i'm going to oregon and we're going me and my wife are going on some wine tasting we're gonna go check out the place where the movie goonies was filmed and i'm straight up loving it so if you don't hear from me until late next week, that's where I've been. That's what I'm doing. Enjoy yourself. Live your best life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we'll talk to you next time.